0: Welcome to the Becoming Church. Y'all excited to be able to gather around the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Um, So for the last couple of weeks, outside of last week, we've been in a collection called uh, The Search. And uh, last week, we paused for Welcome Home Sunday. And uh, this week, we're going to kick back in. We speak in collections here, uh, which is just another word for like, you know, sermon series or whatever you want to call it. But we call them collection of talks. I don't know, it's provocative, it gets the people going, I guess. Um, But uh, we talk in collections, and so it's called The Search, and with uh, The Search, we've been taking time to answer questions uh, that you all asked, and you said, well, when did we ask them? Back on Easter Sunday, uh, we did a survey uh, where we said, hey, what are some conversations that you would like to have here um, at the Becoming Church? Uh, because we, uh, we said this the first week, that we want the conversations we have to, to be real, relevant, and um, ratchet, uh, meaning that we all got a little ratchetness about us. And he's like, what is this ratchetness that you speak of? It just means we're, we're all kind of off sometimes, right? We, we, we have some things that, you know, perhaps people don't know about, uh, but God knows about that. And we want to have conversations that reaches those things, that kind of make us go like, yo, you stepped on my toes this morning. And I said, well, it wasn't me. It was, you know, the word. Okay. So don't throw tomatoes at me or anything like that. Uh, But we kicked it off with week one. The the top question that uh, we wanted to hear was uh, how to change. And we landed at this idea that change uh, doesn't happen with a leap, but it happens with a step. In other words, change is progressive. So don't be so overwhelmed if next week or tomorrow doesn't look like how you wanted it to look. Change doesn't happen in a leap, leap, but it happens in a step. And then the next uh, question uh, we talked about was like, yo, you guys asked how to deal with family. And we had the essentials of family. And basically that week we took time to really hit on us paying attention to what we are discipling our family into, whether we are parents or you know cousins, nieces, nephews, whatever, or whatever type of dynamics we have within our family. And so this week we're going to continue um, that collection, of the search around this question uh, that you all asked, which was how to deal with stress. Is anybody trying to figure out? stressed today. There are so many things to be uh, concerned about, so many things to to be stressed out about. And we're going to use Philippians uh, chapter 4 to help guide our conversation. And so you can go ahead and and flip with me there or scroll with me there or join me on the screen right here behind me. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Perhaps you should be anxious. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. Okay. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding with God, will guard your hearts. And your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then, verse 9 whatever you have learned, or received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it in to practice. Come on, we're going to talk about practice this morning. And the God of peace will be with you. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful, God, for these moments that we get to share today. God, thank you that you're with us. God, thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. In fact, God, that's not something we have to ask for. That is a, that is a promise. And so, Lord, thank you that you're with us, no matter if we're on the mountaintop or we find ourselves in the valley. You're with us. Your presence is with us. And, Lord, we thank you that your presence is in this place today. It's not in this place because there's something special about this place. But, God, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your presence dwells in us. And, God, I believe this, that something unique happens when we get together corporately like this. And so, Father, let us be attentive. Let us be focused. Incline our ears. God, open our eyes, God. To see what it is you want to show us. And God, we're your servants, and we say this speak, Lord, because we're listening. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said, Amen. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. How many of you are stressed out? Anybody stressed out? Awesome. There's a shout out to the brave folks who raise your hand. Everybody else, you're lying, okay? <laughs> But, you know, a lot of us are stressed out. Even if you did not raise your hands, we experience stress on one level or another. In fact, recently I found out our six-year-old is dealing with stress as well. He's stressed out. And his stress is kind of centered around the idea of how much time he gets on the iPad. And so we've been limiting that time significantly. And he's just, you know, hand on his head. He's, he's just stressed out. But in all seriousness, family, stress is a major concern for so many of us, not just in this room, but across the country. In fact, uh, this year there was a poll conducted by uh, called Stress in America, and it was conducted by the American uh, Psychological Association, and it revealed an upward trend of stress in America. But I would bet that doesn't come to a surprise to many of us in here. There's many reasons why stress is trending upward, right? There's still uh, this, the idea, a new reality, I should say, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it's basically this bundle package that we have. There's COVID-19, uh, there's rising inflation, there's the Russia Ukraine crisis that people are asking the question, is this the prelude to World War III? What is going on? Uh, All types of reasons, just the cost of day-to-day necessities. Like, anybody been to the grocery store lately? Like, it's like, yo, I spent $300. What did you get? I got some toothpaste and some chips. (laughs) And it's like, oh, my gosh, help us. Jehovah Jireh, help us. You know? The electricity situation right now. Like, gas. You, we don't know what to do. They say get an electric car, then they say gas, and then the grids are messing up? Like, what? Do we need to go back to horses? What are, what are we doing? <laughs> Again, the ongoing Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine and all these things are taking a psychological toll um, on our well-being, and it's causing stress and stress. It's not just those things. It could also be whatever's happening uh, in your home, just trying to, to raise a family, to navigate your job, to, to try to get your business off the ground, and, and then uh, sports and activities with kids and, and connecting with God. And if you're married, making sure your marriage is, is healthy and strong, there's just so many things that we're trying to juggle that's caused stress. But what I love about Scripture is that scripture is not a collection of just some nice stories. But listen, it is the word of God. And his word is the answer to whatever issues we may face. It gives us a blueprint. It gives us a roadmap. And that's why this this, uh, collection is called The Search. Because oftentimes we'll go to Google before we go to God. But let's change that. Let's go to God. Let's go to scripture. And see what scripture has to say. And so today that's what we're going to go to. We're going to go to scripture. We're going to look at scripture. We're going to make some observations and see what decisions we need to make when it comes to handling stress. And so uh, to give some context to the text, Paul, uh, who is the writer of Philippians, the the apostle Paul, he's writing to uh, the church in Philippi. And Philippians is dubbed or is known as the book of joy. Uh, primarily because how often joy, the word joy or rejoice and all these things are mentioned throughout of it. But Paul, he's writing this letter because he wants the saints there to live in the joy of the Lord and not in their own circumstances. And here's when you know that joy exists. Joy exists when there is internal stability despite external circumstances. So joy exists when there is internal stability, that inside I'm strong, I'm stable, despite the fact that externally there's chaos all around me. And Paul is saying, I want you to live like that because that's really the difference between joy and happiness. See, happiness is determined by the circumstance where where joy is in spite of the circumstance Joy is this understanding that what I have, what I'm connected to, who I belong to, that is the source. You say I'm strong. I say, well, it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength because my ability to hold my head up high and to walk around and to smile is not based on what may be happening around me, but is based on the change that has taken on inside of me because of my yes to the Lord and how he has changed my life and no longer do I live with the circumstance as the guiding and and pushing force of my life but I now live with the joy of the Lord as that force and this is the way that Paul wants the church there to live and I think Paul was very well qualified seeing as how he penned this letter from prison so so think about that he's in prison and he's writing a letter about joy. Now, some of us, we're not, well, I shouldn't say some of us because you're here, right? Now, we're not in prison physically, but we are, some of us are in prison mentally. We're imprisoned by the thought of all the things that concern us, and it's that imprisonment that has caused stress. But this is what I believe. I believe today that we're going to be able to go to the word of God and we're going to get on this journey of living free from stress. And I say it's a journey because it is. It's a journey. But in order for this to happen, family, we're going to have to make some decisions. And that first decision that we're going to have to make, you can write this down if you're taking notes, we're going to have to decide to worry about nothing. How many of you are the person who worries about everything? I mean, it could be anything, right? As simple as a text message. Like right now, some of you in your mind is like, bro, that is not that simple of sending a text. For some of you, your anxiety shoots up with the thought of having to simply send a text or even make a phone call, right? You're worried about all the things that can go wrong. Well, what if they don't understand this or what if they don't understand that that exclamation point is not me yelling. I'm just excited about it. But what if I came off too weird when I hit it? Like, you're just worried. But the reality is, family, we're, we're living our lives the same way. Like, we're worried about every single thing. And because of that, we're not living responsive lives, meaning like we respond to moments. Instead, we're living reactive lives. Are y'all tracking with the difference when I say that? It's like if you call, if you have to call 911, and you're detailing a situation that's happened, like, yo, this just happened, you know, we were over here, we had the grill going, and all of a sudden oof, it went like this, and then they're running around, their hair is on fire. Like, and if the person's on the other end is like, okay, okay, well, listen, I don't know what y'all gonna do, but you should freak out right now because I don't understand what to even do in this moment. How many know if you call it 911 and acting like that, you're like, Man, let me call somebody else. Thank you, cherish. But if you call back and they're like, okay, stay calm. Here's what I need you to do. I need you. See, that's the difference between reacting and responding. You're you're responding to a situation, you're able to chill, assess what's happening, and then make a decision. But see, what stress and worry has caused for us is caused some of us to live reactively. And so we react with every bit of news that a meme tells us. Yes, a meme. Some of us get our information from memes. But we're reacting to every bit of news that a meme tells us. And we listen to every whisper of despair that goes on. And as a result, like, we create all the bad scenarios that could happen and go wrong, which causes us to worry. (gasps) Well, they're saying that. Well, then this could happen. And then if that will happen, well, then this will happen. Then what about my job? And and none of that has even, it's not even a reality. It hasn't happened. Can I tell you something that I believe will change your life right away? Stop watching the news. (laughs) I know somebody's pushing back right now. Well, how do I stay informed? Stop watching the news. We have to see that from, you know, 50s and 60s, The news industry has changed. So no longer was it about let me get to the evening news to figure out what's happening. But with a 24-hour news cycle, we we don't need that kind of news. That's overload. So what happens, those guys have to figure out how do I keep ratings going. Come on. We already know what's going to sell fear, bad stuff, because everybody wants to figure out what's going to happen to me. And so now, no matter which is your outlet of choice, they both have the same goal. So don't be over here not liking your friends and your family because they watch the other network. They both have the same goal. It's to scare you because fear means your eyes are drawn to the TV or checking the, um, the apps and all these things. So just get out of the news because their job is to cause you to worry. But Jesus has something to say about that. Look at Matthew 6, verse 25 through 26. It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is what Jesus is saying. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Then he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, I believe when we worry, we discount the value in which we were created in. Understand who you are in your life has value to the point that the angels marvel. They're like, they ask this question. They say, who is man that God is so concerned about him? Who is man that, they call, that God calls him friend? So your life has value. So when you choose, when we choose to be consumed with worry, we are saying, God, the image that you created us in, which is your image, that actually doesn't have that much value. You say, well, are you sure about that? Look what scripture is saying. It asks us the question, are you not much more valuable than they? than birds who fly around and don't have to worry about anything, but yet everything that they need it is provided for. Listen, friends, worry doesn't add to your life. It subtracts from your life. There's nothing that you can worry about that is going to bring in addition to you. And, and, and maybe you have, but I've never had this happen. I've, ne- I've never had it happen that I'm worrying about something that I get a brilliant idea. Usually what I get is more things to worry about. <laughs> and so listen, stop worrying about it and just live with this thing. God, you are in control and I trust you. And whatever the outcome is, I'm going to believe that you know how to take me to the next place. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Because, see, when you're worried, when you're so consumed with worry, you can't see that what you need has perhaps already been provided for. Because worry blurs your vision, you can't see. There's no clarity that you have because worry clouds your vision. And there are obviously many reasons or many issues, I should say, with worry. But perhaps the primary issue with worry is that for some of us, worry becomes a place of refuge. It becomes a place where our faith goes to, like almost as if we have faith and worry. I need to hurry up and get home so I can worry about this thing, right? Instead of praying about it, let me hurry. Girl, I got to go. I got to worry. And you ask how. The minute you encounter a situation that you didn't expect, analyze and see, did my mind go to worry or did my mind go to faith in God? And so then you can see, well, what has become my place of refuge? Has worry become a place of refuge that instantly my mind goes to worry rather than to faith? See, one way to address worry is to simply choose to live one day at a time. Listen, life becomes overwhelming when we attempt to figure out the next 20 years. Right? So instead of trying to navigate the next 20 years, how about we choose to live in today? I'm not saying that you don't plan. Do that. Scripture talks about that. I'm not saying that you don't, you know, try to make sure you have things aligned and prepare. God's not against that at all. But we must live one day at a time. That's why Matthew 634 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own live one day at a time. See worrying about nothing is a decision that we're going to have to consciously make and we're going to have to be intentional about it, but we're also going to have to decide to pray about everything, which is the next decision we need to make pray about everything. You know what I've come to find out is that as followers of Jesus, how much we have devalued the value of prayer. For some of us, prayer has become a last resort option instead of a first choice response. Prayer has become one of the, well, all we can do now is pray. Family, if all we can do now is pray, then that means all we can do now is everything. Because there is power. The, the, the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. There is power in, in prayer. All, all throughout uh, in the Gospels, you see where the disciples were looking for Jesus and they couldn't find him. You know why? Because he was away praying. So here here you have God in flesh, and he's off praying. So that tells us prayer is powerful. And what I've seen lately happen is especially when something, you know, there's an unfortunate tragedy that takes place in whatever capacity in our nation and now what I'm seeing is people develop this thing, well, you can just keep your thoughts in prayers. And I get it because that has become a politicized weapon. But family, we can never um, succumb to politics when it comes to a place in, in the reality of the power of prayer. So as a Christian, as a follower of the way of Jesus... Praying is important. Praying is everything. It, it's going to be difficult to live this life if you don't have an active conversation, an open line to God and how to navigate the life that you're living. How can I expect uh, my marriage to be strong and vital and healthy if we never conversate, if we never have discussions? Some discussions are, you know, more than others. But our our marriage is not going to be strong if we don't communicate. So we're going to have a tough time navigating this life of faith if we don't talk to God. Are you tracking with me this morning? So we should never look at prayer as one of the options. But at first, it must be what we choose. It must be the place that we begin. It must be the place that we go. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, the idea of like, how do I have a consistent prayer life? Look. Bring it down all the way this way. Meaning, how about instead of trying to say, Lord, I'm going to pray for an hour, what if you chose to every hour pray for 30 seconds? And look how much you've just increased your communication with the Lord. Set a reminder. Every hour pray for 30 seconds. And instantly your prayer life has already went up. But what you're going to realize is what you're getting out of that in terms of How you're dealing with stress is changing. How you're dealing with the decisions you got to make is changing because your mind is kind of leveled. And also, you've gotten rid of some things that you don't need anyway, whether it's scrolling, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the the case may be. You've kind of put that down and you're connecting with your maker to give you um, what you need to navigate the life that you're living. And so some of us, we're stressed out because we're never going to the Lord to get answers on what we need. When Jesus was at that moment of having to go up on that cross, he went to the garden to go pray. And some of us, we step into significant decisions and we've never prayed. And then we get into those decisions. And we're like, Lord, help us out. He's like, you never asked me about should you go into it. And now here you are, help me out. But thank God for his grace. He steps in anyway. But he's like, yo, we could avoid this if you just talk to me first. And so that's why some of us are stressed out. Because we're not praying, and sometimes we take the notion, and sometimes we take the reason why we don't pray is because we feel like, well, whatever we may be dealing with isn't significant enough, and so instead of praying about what we feel, we choose to suppress what we feel. And listen, suppression never works because ultimately that thing is going to uh, spill out. And here's what you got to understand about that: First Peter five seven says, "Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you." D- let God determine; He'll He'll make that determination. You don't go, well, I don't know know if I want to bring this to you. He says, no, cast all your anxiety, all your cares because he cares. That word cast, it literally means to throw onto. So here's the thing. What is it that you're not giving to Jesus and choosing to hold on to? Could it be that it's the source of your stress? If it's family, if it's marriage, if it's career, give it to him. I hear some people say, well, I got myself into this, so I need to get myself out of that. That's the problem. It was yourself, and it was yourself that led you into that. So how can yourself get you out of that? No, you need the grace of God. So come humbly. Let your pride die and receive from the Lord what you need. Cast all your cares to him because he cares for you. All your prayers. You have to daily remind yourself that God cares for you and the more you remind yourself that he cares for you, the more you're going to find yourself going to God. Now listen, because I'm saying pray and pray about these things, it doesn't mean that everything that we're going through will instantly change or instantly disappear. I feel like that's important to say, right? But what happens is we gain And we're reminded of this reality that God is with us, but then also that whatever we're going through, we can have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because the idea that we will never experience tough, difficult times is not true. And anybody who told you that is what Christianity uh, communicates, that's a different type of gospel that we don't know what it is. Because Jesus says, in this life, you will experience trials, but take heart. Because I've overcome the world for you. So please, do not think saying yes to Jesus means all of my issues are going to disappear. Know this, though. You can have the peace of God to navigate whatever it is that you're going through. And here's another decision we got to make. we got to think about the right things. Like your thought life is so important. See, your thoughts are important because they will impact you. They will have either a positive impact or a negative impact on your life. Like our thoughts are comprised of information that our brain then takes and it sends to our mind. And then our mind acts as the gatekeeper of that information. It then determines which information is relevant and thus will create our mental focus. So in other words, your thoughts are important. Because whatever you're thinking about is going to become your mental focus. It's going to become that thing that's always up here that you always see, that you're always consumed with. And so those thoughts can easily become the beliefs that ultimately affect our feelings. And that's either going to be in a positive way or a negative way. So then the question we must ask is, what kind of thoughts am I thinking? Proverbs 23 and 7 talks about the power of thoughts. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts have power, family. In fact, negative thoughts have so much power. Um, neuroscientists will talk about this, how negative thoughts will be, kind of begin this spiral effect where one negative thoughts lead to a negative thoughts. And you just continue that over and over and over again. So basically, your thoughts have the potential to direct the, co- the course of your life. That's why Philippians 4.8 says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, here's, here's what I come to understand, too. Thoughts just don't always appear. Sometimes thoughts get there by what we're feeding ourselves. So you must pay attention to what you feed yourself. So some of us, it's the things that we watch, right? Come on. It's the things that we watch. And these things, we think they don't affect us. Well, I'm strong enough, I'm mature in my faith enough, and they don't affect us. Could it be that that's the problem? They don't affect you. Like, could it be you should be a bit more sensitive to what you're watching Could it be that we should be a bit more sensitive to what we're listening to? Because what we don't realize, those things are and do have an effect on us. And ultimately, whatever gets on us gets in us. And what gets in us will come out of us. And so it's important to pay attention to what you're feeding yourself with. Now, you're like, oh, so here we go. I can't watch the movies. I can't. No, you figure out that conviction for yourself. But I have to. I have to know me and I have to understand the conversations that I have. And then people tell me like, yo, well, then there's this, there's this, there's this. And then I'm hearing everything that you watch and listen. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Right. So it should get to a point where those things should affect us because every thought is not just placed there by the enemy. Sometimes we're feeding ourselves these things. Know this, your life will be shaped by your thoughts, And here's another decision we've got to get to. When is it enough? You know, it's not always the external factors that causes the stress that we're dealing with. Sometimes it's the internal factors, meaning it's us, right? Living in a culture that celebrates more, we are pushed to go for more. And this impacts all of us to some degree. Like we want to stand in front of the house, in front of the car, and be like, God did. Like we, we, we want that. <laughs> We, we, we're waiting on that Instagram post. We're like, Lord, can we go ahead and close on this house? So we like the haters and and think, but God did. All right? come on. Don't play me this morning. <laughs> come on. We live in a culture that we push for more. And so some of us, we're stressed out because we're always going for more, even if it's subconsciously happening. But could it be that we are a supplier? To the own, to our stress that we feel, could it be the drive for more is the reason that we're stressed out? Look what Paul says in Philippians four eleven. He says, "I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances." Can we say that? Yes. Can we say, "Lord, I'm content in where I am. I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a different car. I don't need that vacation. It's cool if I have it. It's cool if I go. But I'm content." Whatever the circumstances, why get something that's going to (laughs) cause, why get something that's going to cause stress? I don't think, and we call it a blessing. That's not it. That is a stressing. (laughs) That's just not a blessing. All right, rant over. Then he goes on to say this in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul's like, I am content. Listen, Instagram, TikTok, it is so fake, family. It is so fake. But not only is it teenagers that deal with the outcomes. But it's all of us, especially if you're a millennial in here today because you grew up with it, so you can't take yourself out of that as well. But so many people, we, we're, we're making decisions based on what we see in a world that is not real. It's not. Like, you know, I can go to somebody's house, and they got a really dope house, and I can take a picture real quick, and they're like, man, look how you live. And that's, all right, I got to figure out how to get it. That ain't even my house, Bro. I don't live there. That's not my zip code and it never will be. I can go on a vacation and post all this, be on a boat and, and see the ocean. Yo, somebody paid for this. In fact, I'm actually not even supposed to be here. I snuck in. It's fake, <laughs> but we're getting stressed out. And now we think we got to go get something because somebody else has something. No, stop it. Let enough be enough. Here's when enough is enough. When Christ is enough and the work of the cross, come on. Is anybody with me enough? Is Jesus Christ enough? Can we live with this reality that, Lord, if you never do anything, you have already done enough. You say, oh, that's a cliche. Just because it may be cliche-ish doesn't mean it's not true. Because having him, having Jesus, is everything. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and excel and do all these things because you should. We, we should because we honor the Lord with what we do with what he's given us the talent and the ability to do. And so if you're a business owner in here, you're an engineer, you're creative, whatever you are, work on your craft, develop your craft, get paid for your craft. But there is a point to where Christ has to be enough because the vacation ain't going to do it, the car ain't going to do it, the house ain't going to do it. It's just not. That's why you see so many people who have it, who feel empty, who feel lost, who feel broken, they ended up uh, committing suicide because the pressure of all those things were overwhelming. Now you say, are you against all those things? No. But you got to have the attitude that Paul talks about, that Christ is enough, that whether I'm hungry or I'm fed, I'm content. No matter if it's the, 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 the beamer or the, the, the um, hoopty, <laughs> I'm going to get to the store and just be content. Christ has to be enough. Here's another decision we've got to make. Trust God for everything. We talked about this a moment ago, the value you have. Remember the value you have. Listen, you were created in the image of God. Like I said, the angels are trying to figure out, like, who is man that God is so mindful of him? Family, that means that God cares about you, and he is concerned with whatever concerns you. See, some of us are consumed with trying to do things in our own strength instead of in God's strength. You know, Katie and I, we had this conversation a little bit ago about this phrase that, you know, we have used, this phrase of, You've got this. And we say, you know what? I think that's wrong. I think that's incorrect, this idea of you've got this. Now, the reality is we don't have this, right? We, we, we don't. And uh, we, we just, we can't do this alone. You're like, what are you talking about? Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do everything through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. So perhaps a better way, to, and we say it meaning well, right? Someone's pushing through something. Someone's going through something. They had, they had this major marker, you know, something significant about to happen. We're like, yo, you know, you've got this. So it's, it's, it's well-meaning. But we need to be more than well-meaning. We need to make sure we give people exactly what they need in terms of what Scripture is saying. And so perhaps the best way to express you've got this is to say, well, God is your strength. You've got this. With the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got this. Through obedience to the voice of God, you've got this. But listen, family, this only happens and comes with trust. And trust is born out of what? A relationship. And so for some of us, it's time to develop a real relationship with Jesus. And I'm not going to manipulate you into that. Like You're going to figure that out on your own time, your own pace. We're all on a spiritual journey. But that is still where you got to end up you got to end up with a real relationship, not moms, not dads, not grandmothers, not your aunties, nobody. Like a real relationship with Jesus. Like thank God for their faith. Thank God for their prayers. Thank God for them standing and believing that God would change my life. But I need that relationship with him. And so for some of us, that's where we're at. We need a real relationship with Jesus. You've been trusting you for everything. But now here's the moment where God is saying, yo, I'm calling you to trust me for everything. So here's what I want you guys to get out of this conversation today of answering this question, how to deal with stress. Here's what I want you to get. The relief from stress is found in the place of prayer. What you need is going to be in a place of prayer. It's a conversation. It's an opportunity to release your heart, release your thoughts to God. and And I'm done Johnny, would you please come? I'll stop talking. Actually, I'm going to invite the whole team. Y'all come, and I'm going to be quiet. But relief from stress is found in the place of prayer. It's an opportunity to have a conversation with the Lord and release my heart, my thoughts, what concerns me, what's going on, release all of that. But then be quiet enough to capture him and his thoughts and what he has to say. And that's why Philippians 4, 6, it reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It says, by prayer, family. The relief from stress is found in the place of prayer. Would you pray with me this morning?